Scotty, energize. Energize. Good evening, world. Good evening, Mars. Good evening, the new planet that just was discovered on the far side of the galaxy. Good evening to all sentient beings, to all extraterrestrials. This is Lon Friend. This is Energize, the Lon Friend podcast. We don't come on the air very often, but we're on the air tonight to celebrate the passing of great musical spirits. Um, I have in-studio guests. We're going to have a performance tonight, which is very rare in the history. This is our 59th podcast, Michael, in the last three years. Yes, it's very exciting. It's January 20th, 2016. It's the, it's the, it's the day that Sarah Palin confessed her love for Donald Trump. So if you need a reason to leave the planet, you've just been given a really good one. Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> Earth. You're really not my cup of tea anymore, thanks. I don't care what you put in the tea either. Okay, so... In the studio with me, I have a full house, and we're going to have a performance. Now, if you were here last time, you weren't anywhere last time. If you heard the last podcast, I had my three angels, like Charlie's Angels, but I'm lawn, and they're not really angels. They're they're women of different sexual orientations, (laughs) and we're not going to, like, rehash how professional they are and what they do. What we'll do is 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 uh <clears throat> articulate that in the week since we convened music a musical configuration the Emily Clyborne band has come together and we have all four members of that band here and we're going to be blessed with a tune this evening they were rehearsing a little while ago and it sounds spacey which it should so Jules Tolentino hi Jules Hello, Lon. Jules on bass. She's here. Emily is here. Hi, Emily. Hi, Lon. And Nadia is here. Nadia, the goddess of all things. <laughs> I'm not actually part of the band. No, but, you're uh, you're but with the is. band. To quote exactly, Pamela, she's our manager. Pamela DeBars. <laughs> she's with manager. and um, yes, filming the band. That she's the fly on the wall. Exactly. And this a crowded wall. And Wendy and Walter are watching Long Beach in the house. San Pedro represented Mike Starr behind the glass here at the L.A. radio studio at the foot of the Vincent Thomas Bridge. <clears throat> and we have your keyboard player. Introduce your keyboard player. That's Donnie. Hey, Donnie. Hey, Lon. All right, dude. Mm-hmm. He's wearing an Einstein shirt, Donnie. <laughs> and you guys here, you're the cosmic twins here. <laughs> and your drummer. We have Cameron on drums. Cameron. How's it going, everybody? Cameron on drums with the Stonehenge T. Nineteen ninety nine, July. On friend goes to Stonehenge. I think it's in the book. Oh, fuck, I'll find it later. <laughs> uh, it was magical because it was the day before I met Peter Gabriel. Wow. 
and that it's like I had the vibration from going to Stonehenge. I did a meditation there. I just gotten into Kundalini yoga. And I was working for Interscope Records, like six months. How about this for synchronicity, as we always bring the Jungian vibration into the studio? Um, the two chapters back-to-back for, my, for that gig I had in 1999 for six months, my kind of last-paying job, really, was uh, to be product manager and sort of ambassador for Sting and Peter Gabriel. And... Who's going out on tour this summer together for the first time ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sting and Peter Gabriel. And their good. chapters are back to back. Gordon Sumner and Peter Gabriel. Wow! You know, I saw the police at the whiskey before most of you were born in this room, except Wendy remembers and Walter. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm excited. Everyone's here. And okay, so I've been trying to take notes on all of the. We're in a Mercury retrograde, a very powerful time. It's more than just not signing contracts and thinking that your chick is misinterpreting your words. It goes beyond that. It's like cataclysmic because for some reason during this period, between December the 3rd and right now, in a scant seven weeks, seven deaths, seven musicians. Now, these are notable musicians. These are, there's a, probably band members in some hovel in Baton Rouge who died or someone else uh, not on the map of celebrity. However, significant people departed and um, I'm going to get personal about some of them. On December 3rd, Scott Weiland, he was, he's kind of the first to leave. Somewhat self-inflicted because he, was a, he battered himself. And, but, but there are people who believe that it was hard for him just to be here. So he created music, and now he's gone. The same day that Scott died, Natalie Cole died. She was 65, Nat King Cole's daughter. Okay. That's no small potatoes there. You know, as a chanteuse and as a singer, Emily, Natalie Cole has some wicked pipes. On uh, December the 28th, and this one hit me especially hard because I had known and loved this man for 27 years, Lemmy Kilmister from the band Motorhead. And if you want to read the eulogy that I composed the day that he died, it's on, bill, it was, it's on billboard.com. Excuse me. That's not diminishing anything, because Lemmy would dig it if I belched during his eulogy. <laughs> 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 what are you fucking? Why don't you just fart and make the whole night complete? <laughs> What's the matter with you, man? I'm dead. <laughs> From beyond the grave. In 2000, I was at knac.com. And I had a show called Breath of Fire on Wednesday nights. Hey, it's Wednesday. So I did two hours in a studio not as glamorous or technologically acute as this one. But we were with producer Bob Ezrin and um, a bunch of really talented people in 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 a big open room streaming for really the first time 24-7 music. So think about that. It's 16 years ago. And 
I had guests, and Lemmy came on one night, and he sat like where you're sitting, Jules, and we talked about life, and it just happened to be right after he had had a sort of physical breakdown in Italy, and they and he he had to cancel a lot of day. Motor had to cancel much of their European tour. But he came back and he sat with me, and we talked for about two hours. It was just awesome. And one of the things I remember him saying because I don't know where the tape is archived, if it's anywhere. He said, you know, yeah, I got sick. But, you know, if I'm going to die, I'd rather die on stage in my boots with a fucking whiskey waiting for me on the amp. That's the way I live. And that is what I tried to convey when I wrote his... his uh, and then what many thousands of people did, because he was immensely loved and respected... That he lived true, never sold out. So how weird is it that before I come here... Okay, so, so several things happened before I drove in two days ago. I looked at this CD rack. It's like, it's like this Fast Times at Ridgemont High CD rack. I have, all my music is gone. All the vinyl is gone. It was gone when I left L.A. to, come to, to go to Vegas from my exile, and I had to finance my separation from my real life and then i'm gonna live like a pilgrim in the desert and i don't have hard music anymore but i kept like a couple hundred cds and i have like three pieces of vinyl i have my signed brian ferry avalon from when the when the record went on sale at tower records and i walked up to him i held it brian ferry and david bowie the sinatra and dean martin of modern rock and Brian Ferry had a beautiful quote online after David passed. So I found this disc, and it, it's from that 2000 record, We Are Motorhead, and it's signed by Lemmy. Toulon. Always a friend. Always been a friend. Isn't that nice? Okay, so mm. then, how about this? Then I'm staring at the same stupid rack with a bunch of random CDs on it. And it has like this beanie baby of the Beatles at the top. <laughs> and I think Nadi's probably seen it. You're the only one who's been in my, in my apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I have. I'm back to tell the tales. Yeah. Um, so... Where was I? <laughs> your rack. Thinking about you, you walking about around the rack. apartment in your underwear. <laughs> oh, the rack. Oh, yeah. Rack. Okay. That's right. Where's my head? And there's this disc on there, and it's a bootleg, and it's from 2005, and it's from this one-off show that Glenn Fry did at the Cannery in North Las Vegas, a complete dive but he did it as a played the gig as a favor to a friend and i wrote this on facebook i should maybe read it because it's it's really kind of nice but at the moment i'll just riff it at the end of the set he he dedicated desperado to a friend of his in the crowd who was a dreamer and a writer and that was me and then uh i cried because it was amazing now what i didn't write on facebook was the set's over, and Harry, his tour manager, Harry Sandler, 
comes over and goes, he's leaving. He's not staying. I go, okay. So I I go out the side door of this casino. It's right next to right next to my seat. I'm out the door, and Glenn is in the car. The car's going, and he has a joint already rolled in his hand. And I knock on the door like knocking on the president's window. I go, and he rolls it down, and I go, and I still got fucking tears in my eyes because that's that he played desperado, and I, you know, I'm desperado. I'm I'm lonely guy, so I go, dude. Glenn, did did Cindy, which is his wife, who I would email and stuff like to get tickets and things, did Cindy put you up to that? And he looked at me, and goes, "No, man, that was all me." Now you go home and write your fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. and I, in a f- couple few months later, I finished the draft of Life on Planet Rock, and I owe in part that moment to Glenn Fry. <clears throat> so. My daughter, Megan, went to Marymount High School, class of 2007 or 8, I think. And Glenn Fry's daughter, Taylor Fry, went to Marymount, and they knew each other. And they went to Italy together on this junket for junior year at high school. And every December, Marymount would have the father-daughter dance at the school and no one ever showed up really but this last senior year Glenn shows up at the father daughter dance and I'm at the father daughter dance and I walk in and you know Glenn always looks so cool in this kind of tweet sport coat and I walk over to him I go you came he goes I'm at the bar (laughs) and I said I got something better you want to go out in the parking lot he goes don't shit me. I go, I'm not, I'm not shitting you. You're fucking Glenn Fry. He goes, let's do it. And there it was. Lon Friend and Glenn Fry in a Catholic school, girls school parking lot. Up, taking a one hitter and then heading back inside and dancing our asses off <laughs> with our girls. And um, <clears throat> I played golf with them at Pebble Beach a couple times. I saw the Eagles six months ago at the MGM, and they were spectacular. And I didn't—I haven't seen him personally in several years. But boy, when I came into LA and I got the text, like I got the Bowie text at midnight when I was in Chicago from my daughter, Dad. David Bowie died, and then another disc text, Glenn Fry died, and both times it's like someone took a shovel. And pierced it into my heart and just pulled my heart out and just tossed it into the fucking dumpster. That's how it... Wow. Body blow. Body blow. And then the texts. Because it's so weird. Because Megan and I were going to see this movie called Anomalisa. And it's a sad, existential, bizarre, beautiful film by Charlie Kaufman. It's kind of... It's animated in its most unique way. And I'm inside the theater because we scheduled to go, and my phone keeps because I'm the guy people text when someone dies, <laughs> and it's out of love that they want to communicate with me. They want to tell me that this person who they know that I love or that I may know is gone. 
Wendy was the second person to, to, to text me. Now, I'm, this, I'm, I'm not going to make this mo- morbid. I'm going to make it great, and we're going to play music, and these ladies and these gentlemen are going to perform for us. But just a few days before that, more synchronicity, a drummer named Jason McEnroe, who played in the Blue Man Group and Henry Rollins Band, he dropped dead from prostate cancer at age 46. And I get sent this email, Lon, this is... And it's his publicist, Brenda, I think. Jason passed away. I wanted to tell you personally because you got him his audition with Blue Man Group in 2004. And then I just went, I got to think, Jason. And I looked at the picture and I went, oh, man. What a great guy. Everybody loved him. All the Blue Man drummers were great because if you... For those of you out there, Red Sweet Demotion, there's this chapter where I I have this relationship with this girl named Carrie, and she's the director of Blue Man Group, but she casted every single Blue Man and musician from the original three guys in New York when Chris Wink and Matt Matt Stone and Phil Goldman, Matt Goldman, the three of them, Phil, Matt, and whatever. Three freaks that geniuses that came up with this in a goddamn Bleecker Street living room and built it into an empire. Little Carrie, who I met because I did a piece on the Blue Man Group for Las Vegas Life magazine when I got to Las Vegas. She's casting these people. And Jason's one of the drummers. And now and then he dies and then he dies. He dies in this window that I'm talking about. Now on the same day that Bowie dies, January tenth. And this is so, like, glam synchronicity. Dale Griffin, the drummer of Mott the Hoople, he dies. And, (laughs) you know, people always say to me, you know, you just think everything's connected. And I do. Because if you have the eyes to make the connections, then they are connected. So, I've talked for too many minutes. First song... Mike, all these young and old dudes are gone. Let's play a song made famous by Mott the Hoople, drum, drumming by Dale Griffin, written by David Bowie. Let's do it. When he was 25 Speed jive Don't want to stay alive When you're 25 And when you're stealing clothes From Marks and Sparks And Freddy's got spots From ripping up the stars From his face Funky little boat race The television man is crazy Sam with juvenile delinquent wrecks
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, celebrating the life and music of souls that have passed. That song, James Dean by the Eagles, with the sparkling vocal by Glenn Fry, by Detroit-born Glenn Fry. We know that James Dean was young. He only lasted for three movies. I mean, think of the impact he made. Three movies. And then he was gone. It's like... Who, who's the who's singer who made, like, like a couple of records and died really young? Nick uh, Drake? Drake, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're only here for a minute. What about Rimbaud's poetry, right? Okay, he's 18. He writes most of his poetry. And then he's quits just, at 19. Quits at 19. So there's a dichotomy there. There are these amazing, gifted artists. And then we had most of these. Lemmy, we had him. He died couple days after his 70th birthday glenn was 67 natalie cole 65 still that's young but james dean was in his 20s so there there's a catalog of music and this is this is where i get into this whole kind of people posting on my page about how crushed they are he goes another one when's it gonna stop okay it's not going to stop. Okay? We're all heading the same direction. Let me let me clue you in. We're all dying. The minute we're born, we're dying. Listen to some Alan Watts. He'll put it into perspective for you. So, ladies, Nadia, what do you think about these? Do you think there is a confluence of events taking place? Is there something special? Or... Is it because media is so fast and so sharp and so pervasive that we just see it just seems like more celebrities, I think noted that, people are disappearing? No, I think um, that obviously, you know, it, when it rains, it pours or things come in three. But the thing is, I think with this, this is a generation that, um, you know, is a pretty influential and and you know populist generation i mean the baby boomers yes and they yes. uh there, there was a confluence of um you know timing and what was going on in history what was going on in the country and then in a lot of like social things too so um they were pretty influential for a while and uh, some of them lived hard like lemmy and wyland i mean was only 47 He's he and Jason were about the same age, but but you know Glenn he kind of put it down. He does he he didn't they don't it wasn't life in the fast lane for the Eagles last few. I mean J- Joe Walsh he would have been a dead man if he continued the way he did, but he he didn't. They stop. They get smart, and then they get a few more ticks on the clock. I think that the way plus you know we lost Chris Squire not too long ago. Yes is the founder of Yes and. He wasn't into his 70s yet. Ian Hunter's still alive, which is amazing. He sang all the young dudes. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, um, what's, I mean, it's one thing that's, uh, that killed a lot of these people is hep C and like the complications from it. You think that's what took some. Natalie Cole. Oh, that was definitely a hep, really? hep C. Mm. And I think, you know, Bowie had liver cancer. Yeah, that's a and liver that's, situation. I mean, the thing is, if you have hep C, it leads to either like cirrhosis of liver or liver cancer. And they just came out with a drug basically a couple of years ago that cures it if you catch it in time. This, what we're witnessing here is how absolutely hot they lived 
in the 60s, the 70s, and into the 80s. And then you get into your later years, your body goes, oh, let me remind you of what you did <laughs> 30 years ago. And I'm going to remind you with your liver and your lungs and your brain. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Is that some sort of biological karma of some order? What is that? I don't know. I mean, Buddy Guy's still playing. He's old. So what's to say? I think the point I was trying to get to is when people are ranting about it's unfair. Here's the thing. We're all dying. And and whether Mercury has anything to do with it or not, whatever, there will be more deaths. And they're going to come on the front page and they're going to be on your timeline. You're going to see it and you're going to go, you're going to sigh. Oh, not another one. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> yes, another one. Yes. It's getting crowded up there. You know, we, we've only had two Beatles for a long time. Now, what's going to happen when the Beatles are gone? You know, Ringgold is very youthful for 75 or whatever he is. Very youthful. Paul is too. But they're going to die. Mick's going to die. Keith may not. <laughs> it's possible that he's not of this construct and anatomical construct what do you think emily what do i think about when you lose a hero when somebody i because see you're 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 much younger than than me so i lost i lost the guy who sang to me in my room when i was 14 years old who sang, Ziggy played guitar, jamming good with Wid and Gilly, and the spiders from Mars. And I didn't know who the fuck the spiders were. Who's Weird and Gilly? It didn't matter. Those records, they took me away from my life. And, I, and every album that came out by those bands of that time, the 70s to me is where I came of age, is where I discovered... All the things that made life interesting. Girls, pot, rock and roll, hot dogs, football. All that stuff came to me in the 70s. And, you know, I didn't, God, he didn't come to me till I was fucking almost, till I was 50 years old. And I'm not sure he's even there either. I think all this could be a grand illusion. Sticks is still around. Okay, so Jules, do you have a comment on this? Being the chef and the bassist, I, the I, rhythm keeper. <laughs> um, I agree with Nadia too. I think um, it's just their time, and like you said as well, everyone is born and everyone dies. Yeah, the two commonalities. Yeah, and then that simplifies it real. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're sitting here next to the Vincent Thomas Bridge, which director oh. Tony Scott jumped off of. Now that's a whole nother thing where you don't want to be here anymore. You you don't want to wait like Robin Williams did. I'm not going to wait around until I deteriorate. Then again, look what Bowie did with that last year and a half of his life. He made a record about life and death. And he sang his best. That's pretty courageous to me. 
just you know because he went through a lot of heart depression years but to me all this stuff came out in his songs you know he's you know it's what was like john lennon i mean i was i was in my 20s december 8th 1980 i was you know 24 and fucking somebody killed him and it hit me I, I, I had not felt a body blow since John Lennon. And that's what that's what Bowie, that's what Bowie's death did. Glenn, because of the personal, because I had time with him, and that I know was, you know, that I met his family and stuff, that's a different kind of vibration. It's just that I, I said to my daughter, well, after we watched this precious movie, I said, Meg, I could... I could you you gotta be prepared for anything because they're just there's this big hand up there that just reaches down and it's not your time nothing can take you when it is your time nothing can save you it's gonna go woo like those puppets in the movie like woo you're gone anyway so <clears throat> Mike we're gonna play another song we're gonna play some Motorhead for Lemmy because he's up there having a drink in heaven and don't think he went to hell. Because he went to heaven. Anybody who lives true, anybody who's authentic, who's not lying to get to the top, who isn't in it for the cash and the gash, deserves our adulation. <laughs> Let's play some Motorhead. Energize. Lawn Friend Podcast.
Sits on the merry cow's tortured brow That Mickey Mouse has grown up a cow And now the workers have struck for fame Cause Lennon's on sale again See the mice in their million hordes From Ibiza to the Norfolk broads Blue Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be writ again As I ask you to vote for some sailors Fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those cavemen go It's a freaky show Take a look at the Listen to, listen to the great Rick Wakeman's piano. There's this beautiful clip on YouTube of Rick Wakeman talking about Bowie, and he's describing <clears throat> Hunky Dory working on that record, and he's playing riffs. like That album, that was a life-altering album because I was so young, and every song on that record was great. I thought it was like, how could he do this? He's he's 24 or something when that record comes out. Who is he? Where does he come from? And then he makes like 20 more great albums after that. Anyway, so, yes, there's life on Mars. This is Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast. There's life in San Pedro. It's January the 20th, and we're in studio, and I am absolutely honored, honored to have... The Emily Clyborne Band in studio with me, and they have, they have prepared a David Bowie tribute. They're going to perform for you right now, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land. The Emily Clyborne Band. Yes. 
possess the flame that burns your church to drive you insane. Just as lined up on your top of dress In studio applause, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Gotta get a rain check on. I swear I wanted my mic to be open so I could do the John Lennon part, (laughs) which is legendary. There was a time where Bowie could summon anyone to be part of his magic circus. And anyone. And that period, that period, very... Emily, yeah. very, very fucking cool. Thanks, Lon. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, very fucking cool. Yes, getting thumbs up from behind the glass. I'm yeah, on- he was dancing. I yeah. saw it. I'm honored to be here and um, very lucky to be playing with these guys. You guys I rocked it. Fucking rock. I, do, I love the arrangement. You, I like how you just got right into it. You didn't even like... M- <laughs> I mean, you just went right into the vocals. Like, wait, whoa. She's already, she's like taking this fucking bear by the horn. This is not an easy song. It's never been an easy song. You never hear anybody covering no, I've fame. Never heard it covering no. Nine to five. <laughs> 
nine to five. Right? The, the, the thin white Duke rapping? <laughs> I know, rapping before funny. rap was even rap? <laughs> nine to five. Stay alive. Bully for you. Chili, Chili for, for me. me. Gotta get a rain check on the pain. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if we all got a rain check on our pain? Yeah. <laughs> but it would hurt. When you finally got you it. You can get a rain check. But then it comes back harder. It comes back harder. <laughs> and sometimes that erection lasts for four hours. <laughs> it's called Viagra. And then you have to call then you have to call seek medical attention. <laughs> for an erection lasting up to more than four hours. Please consult a physician. Please consult a physician. Thank you, Jules. When I cast that offer out there into the ether of beautifulness my angels and i said i'm gonna go do podcast before nam the national association of music merchants convention which the conflagration of all gear and musicians in anaheim california between the 21st and the 24th of january every year this is my 29th year oh. and me and jules are gonna be there we have a room with dividing class. <laughs> <laughs> two twin beds. No, no, I fixed it. No, <laughs> no two cool. I, I told you this last time, Jules doesn't like guys. I told you I also fart in my sleep. And, yeah, which is fine, because I and snore like a cool. wounded buffalo. Yes, it's cool. I was <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm just gonna walk. My, we're gonna burn that. Bunkies. We're gonna walk around Nam and hand that. Like you get these dudes that come up to you, lawn friend, dude. I'm from Ann Arbor. Would you take this? My this is my demo. Sure, dude. Give me your demo. And they're walking around with stacks of shit. Here's your demo. Here, just walk around with fame, Emily's fame. Here you go. <laughs> Take, listen to this. And you know what would be cool is if we ran into Earl Slick, who played guitar for Bowie on many great records, including one of mine and Mike's favorite albums, Station to Station. I met him last year at NAMM. And uh, yeah, Earl, we did Bane for Bowie last night. What the fuck? Really? <laughs> yeah. He's how he talks. Really? Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's great. <laughs> right. It's great. Yeah, told in New York, you know, like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> do you know i wanted to really kind of surprise everybody tonight and i sent the legendary mick rock an email because we had this night in new york a few years ago for those of you who don't know who mick rock is he's the photographer who shot the covers of every great record from that period pinups Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, Lou Reed's Transformer. And I had this night, I know this girl named Susan, she go, and she's, she's real eccentric and strange. She lives like on the river, by the river. She goes, <laughs> you know who Mick Rock is? <clears throat> she talks like you a little bit, Wendy. You know who Mick Rock is? <laughs> I go, yes. He's a friend of mine. You want to come out? He doesn't drink anymore. He just likes to tell stories. We'll meet him at a bar and he won't drink. I go, okay. okay. And we met him at this bar. 
and Mick Rock pulls out his iPhone. And I go, Mick, do you have any photos of, like, outtakes? He goes, oh, he's English. He goes, sit down, man. Let's let's look. And he starts going through his iPhone. He's showing me the phone booth on the cover of Ziggy Stardust without Bowie in it. I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> this, there's, like, an iconic image, and it's different than the one that you are burned into your memory since you were 16 years old. What else do you have? <laughs> well, remember, well, and then he goes, he's swiping the screen. Well, remember this one? Go, yeah. And it's like Bowie and the chick on the cover of pinups. Who's on the cover of pinups? Trivia question, Mike? Twiggy. Twiggy. Oh, and it's Bowie and Twiggy on the cover of pinups. It, it's like, phew. he swipes it and he goes, well, there's this little one. And then it's like an Aladdin saying outtake, and he would agree. And that, and the day Bowie died, I was in Chicago, and my friend Harry Delaney's in 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 Skokie, and he has he has like he's my age, and he has my room when I was twenty. So he has those banana crates of albums and DVDs. He's got all the shit. Like he's still that age, but mine's all gone. So being at Harry's when Bowie dies is like, wait a minute. And he pulls out vinyl, and he brings out man who sold, man who sold the world, and he brings out the vinyl of, of of uh, <clears throat> um, station to station. And I take a picture of me holding it, and I put it on Instagram of me hugging the album. And he goes, "I got some great, D- I got some great DVDs. Look at this one." So he shows this Gene Genie clip. It's on this compilation, and I'm standing in front of the TV, his big TV in his tiny little house that he's had for 30 years, and there's snow falling outside because it's one degree, and I'm just going, Jane Gene lives on his back, and I'm digging it, and behind me is the video rolling, and then there's this hot chick in the video when she's dancing. <laughs> Let yourself go. So I I make like a one minute of this, and I just send it to a couple people. And one of the people I send it to is because I want him to know that I'm grieving. I send it to Steven Tyler, and I text him this. And I say, first I grieved, then I danced. And he texts me back, that's my ex-wife. <laughs> what? It would that's be. Funny. No. <laughs> it would be. You know, it's just so perfect. Like, I'm the Zelig character that's in the middle of all these famous people, and I'm sitting here counting my pennies and, and my blessings and going, that is so fucking cool. What better response? That's my ex-wife. <laughs> the hot chick dancing in the, on the street while Mick Ronson's shreddy. Synchronicity. She's outrageous. She screams and she bowls. She cheated. Let yourself go. What a riff. There were great riffs on that album. How about Panic in Detroit? And then he goes, oh, you hear this cackle, this caterwaul in the background. Looked a lot like Che Guevara, drove a diesel van, kept his life in quiet seclusion. What a humble man, the only survivor of the National People's Plan. Panic in Detroit. 
Asked for an autograph, wanted to stay home, I wish someone would phone. Then Mick Ronson. (laughs) 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 Oh, Mike, I'm back. (laughs) For a minute. I'm tired. That's a good performance line. (laughs) (laughs) Remember Frazier Smith, Mike? course legendary jock on k-rock in los angeles he used to open his show with the riff of panic in detroit that's how he opened his right every show because he was from detroit Detroit, where glenn fry came from home of the lions who lose big games (laughs) (laughs) and the red wings and danny o'connor who hired me to sell todd rengren shirts in 1979 in front of the roxy it doesn't mean shit to anyone but me and my audience. <laughs> my small but loyal audience. <laughs> I don't market myself anymore. I don't promote myself. I just be myself. Remember the last time you guys were here and I said, wouldn't it be great if I could just make a living being me? The it yeah. man. The it boy. Yeah. Lawn friend. So, girls. You could sell, yeah, branded entertainment. Thank you for that marvelous <laughs> performance. It was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a trippy take. We got to mix mix it and put burn it, and I'll send it to Mick Rock. Anyway, I got started this with Mick Rock, and I sent him a note. And I said, uh, I said, hey, Mick. It's been a while since that night in Manhattan with Susan where you dazzled me with your iPhone picks and tails. I'm sure you've been hit up by everyone since Bowie's death for comment and perspective. This is what I posted on Facebook coming home from Chicago a week ago on the eve of the day he departed. And then I wrote, flying home from Chicago last night, what film just happens to be playing during this two-week westbound window on American Airlines? The Martian. Mm. So where, so there I am at 37,000 feet, floating in a most unusual way, mm-hmm. processing a surreal week in the land of my DNA where synchronicity swallowed me like the soft snowflakes on a skoky lawn, mm-hmm. hypnotized for a second time by Ridley Scott, whose brother Tony went off that bridge, intergalactic masterpiece, somewhere over the Grand Canyon, the rapturous star man waiting in the sky sequence comes on and lays me out like a Patrick Kane slap shot. He is from the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm keeping it indigenous to Chicago. <laughs> Weeping like a schoolgirl, I twist around to see if anyone else on the plane is feeling what I'm feeling after, Bo- you know, the Bowie bred kids, lifelong devotees of the Divine One, grieving and celebrating his recent return to Mars. <laughs> Five rows back on the aisle, a brunette in a black hat is blowing her nose. Maybe she had a cold. (laughs) We were half an hour late taking off because the wings had to be de-iced. Or maybe, just maybe, her face was a mess. Her face was a mess. For the same reason as mine, I raised my fist to the cabin roof in silent Secret praise to the confluence of sound and vision. Sound and vision. As the lights of Sin City sparkle below the landing gear drops, just as the closing credits roll, I quickly click the channel to five on the audio, and the last song plays. 
Yes, I understand that every life must end. Uh-huh. I didn't do that Willie Nelson well. It's Eddie Vedder. <laughs> it's Willie Nelson. The cover of Pearl Jam's Just Breathe. Evanston Eddie. Evanston, Illinois. Eddie Vedder. Ballad, Beholding the Resolute Message of Mortality. My friend Kurt picks me up. Diamond Dogs is blaring off his car deck. In the year of the scavenger, the season of the bitch, we sashay on the broho, scurry to the ditch. I'm sorry. The musician is gone, but the music lives on. Let all the children boogie. Been living in Vegas Mick, past two years, trying to purge a third memoir, treading sand and tapping keys, waiting for the words on a wing. That's your cue to the next song, Mike. I'll be heading to L.A. and Nam next week, hopping, stopping in San Pedro Wednesday night to do an occasional podcast called Energize. It's space-time rockin' spirit. This will be a tribute installment. If you're inclined to spend a few moments on the phone, I'd love to rap. Thanks for contemplating the request. No worries. And he wrote me back just before we went on. Hey, Lon. Thanks for the email. Yup, my life was already brimful. And then my dear friend took a powder. It's been nuts the past 10 days. I'll do the interview, but not this week. Email me again and we'll find a time. Nice. Mick. Nice. Those are some words on a wing, Mike. Let's go to a more of their Bowie and we'll come back and talk to our angels a little bit more. Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. To my life out of my dreams I don't need another change Still you forced your way into my scheme of things You say we're growing Growing heart and soul Sage of grand delusion, you walked into my life out of my dreams. Oh, sweet day, you're born once again for me. Oh, sweet day, you're born once again for me. Everything in heaven or hell Oh, all I need and offer you For a word on a wing 
cheering oh energized lawn friend podcast that's a live version of word on wing which mike found when we were looking through the bowie catalog i really appreciate everybody in the studio being patient with me watching me 
like I do I have any lyrics in front of me? Am I like going to Google lyrics? No, right? No. You do? Okay, we're going to play that next. But I just start thinking about Diamond Dogs. That record came out, and Ron Myers brought it home. And his mom, his mom was a piano teacher, and she had the worst arthritis, crippling arthritis, where her her fingers looked like little lobster stumps. And she put her hands onto the piano, and she could play Gershwin. And it just would make you cry. And she had students come over. She was the most amazing piano teacher. And her son was like my best friend during that whole discovering of the Beatles, the Who, Elton John, David Bowie, all those things. And he was an intellectual. And I, I last time I saw him was in 1986. He came to the my wedding reception dinner. <laughs> and then he, he disappeared. He went to eat mushrooms in Santa Cruz. <laughs> never saw him again. And and there's and he there's nowhere he's nowhere on social media, he never has been. But he brought home Diamond Dogs one day. First of all, we stared at the album cover for a while. We went, What the fuck is that? We didn't even say fuck when we were that age. We just went, What's that? What is he? Like a creature, a lizard? Is he like a alien lizard creature? What's going on? Air air Air, air. <laughs> well, they pulled you out of the oxygen tent. You asked for the latest party. What a lyric. They pull you out of the oxygen tent. You're, you're dying. And what do you do? You asked for the latest party with your silicone hump and your 10-inch stump. Right, Mike? That's heavy. It's a great lyric. Meets his little hussy with the ghost town approach. Her face is science featured. She wears a diamond brooch. Sweetly reminiscent something mother used to make. Topped off and paralyzed. Diamond dogs are stabilized. We keep a fencerie. Oh, baby, come on to me. Well, she's coming and gone. Come out of the golden, baby. You'll catch your death in the fog. Young girl, they call him the diamond dog. Now, Halloween Jack, he's a real cool cat, and he lives on top of Manhattan Chase. The elevator's broke, so he slides down a rope, down to the street below. All kinds of go-man-go, meets his little hussy. All right, that's enough. What a poet. What a cultural poet. You listen to Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs is the dystopian masterpiece. Diamond Dogs is all those movies that have come out in the last 10 years talking about, you know, it's insurgent and divergent and <laughs> she's a virgin and, <clears throat> and whatever, all the, the Will Smith and Man at the End of the World. It's, it's all these films that, that it's like, we're going to fucking blow this place up and freaky people are going to come out. And that's what... There's a song called 1984 on Diamond Dogs, which is magnificent. And there's a song called Big Brother. We want you, Big Brother. 1984. He was, he was reflecting this kind of sci-fi mind that artists and writers at the time were exploring. They were t- 
teaching us what the ugly future is going to be. They Diamond Dogs is the world after Donald Trump is elected president. <laughs> oh. And they'll pull you girls out of the oxygen tent, and you, and I'm going to say, you know, Donald Trump is president, and you're going to go, but you're going to ask for the latest party. And you'll the, one of you will have a silicone hump, and the other will have a 10-inch stump, and we're off. We're done. We're toast. Where are we going? I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, there's also the whole vampire thing, too. Yeah, what about he, that? What vampire? Yeah. Well, he was in a movie with um, Catherine Deneuve. Sure he was. Yeah. Oh, it's a great one. Yes, it is. I'll tell you the name of the movie. Let's not Google. Let's try it's to Susan do it on Saran- our own. Susan Sarandon? Yes. What was it called, Mike? The Bite. It was called... Fuck. Was it Two Words? <laughs> two words? The, the Something. No. I'm not the bike, no. But anyway, he was also, you know, he predated the whole vampire Sure race, he did. Too. And he was also in Man Who Fell to Earth. Mm-hmm. And he played the alien. Hello. And he was in Labyrinth. Oh. Hello. And he predict he he was into internet music before what like fifteen years before he there's an interview I watched where he talks about the internet speaking to the microphone you're He's, a rock star yeah he speaks about the internet fifteen years before and yeah. he said people were musicians especially and creative types were going to be able to independently promote themselves the and hunger he knew it. the hunger yeah. the hunger yeah. the bite the bite the, the hunger bite. the chef how the, the chef, chef comes up know? with the how does the yeah, chef right? at the table the gourmet <laughs> chef by the way, are you doing a Super Bowl cooking party? Yeah. Still doing that? Yeah. You're going to cook for a bunch of rich people on Super Bowl Sunday? Because you know who's performing? Coldplay. And I'll bet, I'll fucking guarantee you, Chris Barnes could do some Bowie. He worships Bowie. That'd be cool. He, he should pull out something so off the fucking cuff. You know, something deep in the catalog. That's what I would do. Way deep. Like memory for a free festival. The sun machine is coming down and we're gonna have a party. Uh-huh. Could you imagine the 80,000 people in San Francisco singing the first, from the Bowie's first record, the most obscure song? The sun machine is coming down and we're gonna have a party. Uh-huh. Come on, Chris. Do it. No. They won't, they won't do it. They have to do something. I mean, Kurt Cobain's version of oh. The Man Who Sold the World. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good cover. <laughs> that album's the darkest album, man. I love it's, that album. That's, that's his homoerotica record. Mm-hmm. His knees were shaking, his cheeks aflame. He said, you'll never go down to the gods again. Turn around, go back. Mm. Uh, operatic. It's... Your face, to face with a man who sold the world. Is this like being in and my? That was room? This is like being in my room when I'm 18. <laughs> yeah, it's 1970. Yeah, I mean that's right. And that riff uh, is it's just like something that's so I associated with like the mid 90s and you know Nirvana. I mean it was just kind of before its time. The weirdest lyric on that record was. Oh, by Jingo. And I had a version of the album that not the black cover where he's on stage, like with hand in the air. I had this comic book cover where there's this face and there's this balloon that has this 
Oh, bye, Jingo. You didn't know what it meant. Did you know what any of it? Did it matter what it meant? Did 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 hear did did anything on Low and Heroes? I mean, what did you know that every record he came out with, he altered the fashion, the style, the logo, everything. It just fucked with the whole process of releasing and marketing music. Every single re- what's he doing now? Oh, he's got a uh, a soul. He's gonna see singing about young American. What? He's dancing. He's got saxophone. What? No, he isn't. He's a space guy. No, 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 no. no. You have you got Bowie's. Uh, we don't know what to do with this. Right? I just love to sit around the tables at RCA RCA Records. We we don't know what to do with this record. And then probably someone who's a genius just says. You don't have to do anything. It's Bowie. You just put it out, and his mm-hmm. fans will find it and love it. There's a version of of Robert Fripp doing uh, online, doing Heroes. It's fucking great, because he, he plays the guitar. You know, King Crimson's Robert Fripp. He plays the guitar on that. I used to study for my test to Fripp and Eno records. Mm-hmm. No, I'm serious. Here come the warm jets. Yeah, Before we were and after listening science. to that on the way here, actually. Music for airports. Babies on fire. Babies mm. on fire. Mm. You better throw her in the water. Mm. Her temperature's rising like a half a to the slaughter. <laughs> That's great shit. My brother, Brick, and I had all those albums. We went to Moby Disc Records. What's what's new from England? We don't we don't care about anything. But what's on the Charisma label? What's what's in the import bin? The Virgin. What's what's weird? Well, we've got the new Soft Machine. Ah, oh, bring it on. Let's listen to it. <laughs> the new Camel. What's it called? Moon Madness. No way. <laughs> This was pre-pot. Moon madness. Like, really? Break it. <clears throat> um, this is Lon Friend. This is my podcast. It's January 20th. We're just going to wrap it up in a little while. Maybe play a couple more tunes. And uh, girls, have you enjoyed yourself this evening? Jules, Emily, Nadia? Yeah, tremendously. Thank you for bringing your band members in. Cameron, Donnie. Cameron mm. and Donnie with their cool shirts. Stone well, actually, I have a pretty yeah. cool shirt on, too. Now. Yeah, well, you're wearing a rip shirt. So so I found three shirts in my closet. They're one of a kind. So I have a rip shirt. I have a Bogman shirt, which is the band I signed at Arista. It was the beginning and end of my music career as, <laughs> as a, re- a $200,000 a year record label executive. My last high-paying job, 1994. <laughs> <laughs> that was for you, Jules. I did that for you. You, bel- you belching sapphic beauty, and 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 a one the only Life on Planet Rock shirt in existence. And the, we're going to take these girls are going to model them. We're going to take a picture. <laughs> the only reason I brought them was to get a picture of them because they can't have them. They're one of a kind shirts. But Nadia looks good. You have to rip, rip it off. I will. Ah! 
I wore that. I, I wore that to the con- that rip shirt to the convention last year. Yeah, and that's when people turn their heads. They go, oh, that's, that's a pretty. That's nice. that guy that used to be on Headbangers Ball with the long hair and the beard. But look at him now. He's like an old dude, funny ears and. <laughs> What happened to? That's, that's the, the running joke. Weren't you lawn friend? <laughs> Weren't, you? <laughs> Weren't you lawn M, M friend? friend? <laughs> you know, I yeah, I've done some other stuff. You have? Yeah. Like what? I I remember you showed me the black album for the first time. <laughs> that's true. I did August third, nineteen ninety one. Q Prime Management sent me the cover of the record before the album came out, and they let me debut it to the world. And I held it up on my first MTV spot, and I went, This is the new record. Look at it. It's black. Mm-hmm. And there's this snake at the <laughs> bottom. It's going to be huge. And I could say that because I was the guy who got to go to the studio every week and listen to them making that fucking record. And where are we now? I sent Lars and Kirk my Lemmy, and they both wrote back, awesome. I mean, they're not big on words. They don't <laughs> sit there and tap shit out. Mm-hmm. Lars and Kirk, and you see him like, oh, I've got long-winded emails to do here. I hate fuck. I'll write long on email. Awesome. <laughs> great. Great. Was great. They loved Lemmy. They loved that's the opening of the Metallica chapter, my first book that from that T-shirt was Lemmy's 50th birthday at the Whiskey, where Metallica came and played Metall- Motorhead songs, seven Motorhead songs, and they had Lemmy wigs on, Lemmy warts pasted to their face, <laughs> Lemmy, oh, no. Lemmy sideburns. And I'm standing in the balcony of the Whiskey with Mike Schnapp, great promotion dude, the dude, the, the pot-smoking king from New York City, and me, him, and Lemmy are sitting upstairs, and we're looking down, and then they show, they come through the side door, Jason Newstead, Kirk Gamet, James Satfield, and Lars Ulrich, they sit down, and they start jamming Motorhead, and Lemmy turns to me and goes, I can't fucking believe they're really here. It was his 50th birthday. It was awesome. And he turned 70, and then he died. And that's okay. And he was on the cover of Bass Live recently, and Rob Trujillo from Metallica actually gave him that award. Yeah. Yeah. Like, timing. Last year at the convention, we saw Rob, and he was just putting his Jaco Pistorius documentary together. And he was talking about it. He had these little promo cards. Lon, you got to watch this. It's I'm, I'm working on this. I go, yeah, man, Jocko Pastore. He goes, he's my hero. You know, mm-hmm. Good hero to have. You know, Stanley Clark, Jocko. These are good heroes. Chris Squire. Bass heroes. Who played bass in the Spiders from Mars? And he had sideburns that were this big, and they hung like Christmas <laughs> Ornaments from his ears. <laughs> Trevor Boulder. Huh. I didn't Wikipedia that. I didn't Google I... that. I don't know a lot of things, but I know a few things. Okay. 
I think we've just come to the end of our ropes. We're not going to play Natalie Cole. I think it would blow the vibe. We had a pretty good show, didn't we? Ladies, any other thoughts? Because we have a wonderful one, a song that it's beautiful, probably sidle back up to Emily and dance with her again. But it's a slow dance, so I have to get close. And stuff. <laughs> Don't be afraid. <laughs> it won't last for four hours. <laughs> <clears throat> what did I say the first time? Emily's she's, crushable. She's crushable. <laughs> Emily's kind of crushable. <laughs> Jill does a really good impersonation. I do your impression. You do not do me. Yeah, I do oh, yeah. you. Nadia does a good one too. Yeah, I mean, it okay, has to, it has well, that's <laughs> do. This is coming out wrong, but do me. <laughs> when I worked at Hustler, uh, Althea would come in and she would just you know talk about metal, and she was real punk. Uh, that's me. Yeah. That's you. It's not. It's not as good as Jewel. Kind of whiny and shit. No, it, it's not whiny. It's just like, you know, kind of whiny and shit. innocent. It's it's definitely innocent. It's definitely you know, a, a very innocent child. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, it's 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 comical. Okay. You know, you you, def- you. Yeah, I don't mind. It's not comical. <laughs> It's always better to be comical than okay. you know okay. than you can master tragedy. <laughs> oh, I've mastered tragedy. Mm-hmm. All right, so Jules has to do. Uh, go ahead, Jules. <laughs> oh no, this is the pressure. I won't slip with a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is number one. I never said that. Number two. You say that. <laughs> what did I say that because I was going to oh I know that I was like laying down the challenge when we went on the cruise I go hey you know I can come into your room I've slept with lesbians <laughs> which I was lying I didn't I just said that to you and so yeah and then you admitted that you lied your, about it <laughs> lower your guard I've turned one <laughs> but it's not true it's no, a lie my favorite line is Emily's kind of questionable well that's a good yeah, line that's, that's she still one. is she still is yeah She's, she's, she's still crushable. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so thank you all for being here. Thank you for putting up with me and my singing. And uh, all, all the young dudes are leaving. All the great heroes are going to die. But the music... Oh, you are so lucky to be of this time because all you have to do is open up your laptop, put in your earbuds, and you can hear anything, anything. It's so deep and so rich. These artists left us with such a trove of music. So, it's yeah, it's weird that David Bowie has his first number one Billboard record in history. Hmm. It's weird because... All his other records, the records of my youth, every one of those should have been a number one record. But sales never mattered. A true artist doesn't make art to be peddled and counted. He makes it because he's got nothing else to do. He has to or he dies. 
And that's why Bowie made that record while he was dying. And the people, they want to honor his memory. So they, in droves, go out and they've gotten it. And they've made, they've made this new record, the number one record, which is, it's a dark record. But if so, he's a lot of, there's a lot of darkness. And his darkness was beautiful. Some of the darkest Bowie records are beautiful records. Whew. Okay. So that's great. And Glenn Fry. God, I miss your fucking smile, man. You're, you were so funny. I was at a party once at Pebble Beach for the awards banquet after the Brown. And I'm sitting at the table with Glenn and Irving Azoff, his manager. And they're negotiating. They have been negotiating an Eagles tour. And these are all these powerful people at this golf tournament. And and Irving writes down a figure and hands it to Glenn, and I just look at it, and it looks like $75 million is written down. This was 1992 or 93. Looks like he's written down that figure, like, oh, this is what we're going to make on this tour. I don't know. I was out of context, but Glenn turns to me, and I go, and I just said to him, I go, did you really care about Grammys and awards and shit? And he goes, well, I we didn't give a shit about Grammys. We were into the ounces. <laughs> anyway, Grams, ounces. That's funny. Eagles, aliens, lemmies, all, all things must pass. Bon friend, energized. Thank you. Love you all. See you next time, whenever there's a next time. (laughs) 